Thank you very much. The peace of Christ be with you. My friends, I bring you greetings today, and I'm grateful for the invitation to be with you this afternoon, and I bring you greetings from your sibling congregation, Nassau Presbyterian Church in Princeton, New Jersey, in the heart of town and on the edge of campus. And I also bring you greetings from the freshly named Presbytery of the Coastland. I think that's right. I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm not right, but it's the Presbytery of the Coastland just approved the new name for the Central Presbytery. As we turn to God's word this afternoon, will you join me in prayer? Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for the gift of this Lord's Day and for the occasion of celebrating ministry together here in Long Valley with their new pastor, Ryan. And we're grateful today for the gift of your word, and so may your word come now in power, in spirit, and in truth. Block out every voice in us but your own, that even for a time we might attend to your word, even your word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The second lesson today comes from 2 Timothy, the very first chapter, the first 14 verses of 2 Timothy. Hear the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that first lived, that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to God's own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And for this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason, I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I put my trust. And I am sure that he is able to guard me until that day that I, until that day, what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When a seminary student or a pastor lands in ministry, a new ministry in a particular congregation somewhere, someplace, sometime, it can be like being dropped into a whole nother world. A part of the country you've never lived, a congregation very different from the one previously served or the one that nurtured your own faith. One of my seminary professors wrote a book on interpreting congregations and she argued that good preaching and successful ministry depends upon wise discernment of congregational context, not unlike the responsibility of interpreting biblical texts for preaching. I grew up in a congregation in suburban Pittsburgh with 2,500 members. When I graduated from seminary some 35 years ago, I went to serve as a solo pastor of a congregation of 110 members full of three-generation families where most live within three or four squares of the church. It was way down in South Jersey where they think North Jersey is Trenton. I started July 1st. We were invited to a rainy July 4th picnic. The rain didn't stop the picnic. We just all circled up in our lawn chairs in the two-car garage separate from the house. I've never seen a garage as clean before or since. You could have eaten off the concrete floor. On days of communion, worshipers would drop a communion registration card in the offering plate indicating that they'd been there to receive communion. I had to confess to the clerk of session that I had no idea what a communion registration card was or what I was supposed to do with it. And it took me a few years to realize that the financial secretary responsible for the offering collected it each Sunday in a paper bag, took it home to count all by himself, and kept it in his freezer until he had a chance to make a deposit later in the week. This was 1986, not 19. 26, and the bank with the drop box was right next to the church. He guarded that weekly deposit with his freezer. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us, Paul writes to Timothy. The good treasure. The good treasure. Other translations refer to the good treasure as the good thing or the good deposit or the precious treasure. Guard the precious thing placed in your custody. At the end of 1 Timothy, Paul exhorts Timothy to guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid the profane chatter and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have missed the mark as regards to faith. That seems to lean toward a connotation of the treasure as, as, of the treasure as teaching, as truth, as content. Guard the content of the teaching, the truth, the gospel entrusted to you. But the Greek word leans more toward the sense of a deposit, something placed within you more than something taught to you. This week at Nassau Church, we started our fall small groups. I'm leading mine again online on Zoom. And on Wednesday morning, we had someone from Seattle, someone from Texas, someone from Pittsburgh, Virginia, and Nova Scotia. And, of course, others around Princeton. Now, I imagine if I ask a small group like that, and like any small group in this congregation, for help with what does the good treasure mean, I'd get a variety of answers. The good treasure is the gift of faith given to us through the Holy Spirit. The good treasure is the gospel account of the life, death, and resurrection, the life, teaching, death, and resurrection of Jesus. 
The good treasure is the earthly riches God has given us along with God's call to take good care of what we have been given and use it to further the kingdom of God. The good treasure is what Paul mentions earlier in chapter 1, a spirit of power and of love and of discipline. God's gift of good treasure to us is a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And in good Presbyterian fashion, if we had 10 to 12 folks in a small group, we might get 10 to 12 folks take on what Paul's referring to when he writes, guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Is it faith? Is it the gospel? Is it a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline? Is it the content of teaching and its truth? Is it the earthly treasure entrusted to our care by God? And I strongly suspect that the answer is yes. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you. Guarding the good treasure. And maybe it's less about figuring it all out and more having eyes to see it. Lois and Eunice, for instance. I am reminded of your sincere faith, Paul writes, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. Timothy's mother is mentioned in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. It's the description of Paul's first meeting Timothy. Timothy, a follower of Jesus, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, his father was a Greek. Lois and Eunice... And a sincere faith passed on. Authentic faith lived. That sounds like guarding good treasure to me. Lois and Eunice. Maybe we can't figure it out exactly. Define it precisely. Guarding good treasure. But I can tell you that I've seen it. Oh, I've seen it. Like the long-term member of that first congregation who told me she responded to the wedding proposal... From the man she would then marry and be with for the next 65 years or so, she told him she would say yes on the condition that they would always tithe to the church. She also told him her mother would always live with them. (laughs) That's the same saint of the church who, when the congregation would host about 25 homeless men in the fellowship hall two weeks of the year, she would arrive at 5.30 each morning to cook breakfast saying, Every child of God deserves a hot breakfast to start the day. A lifelong witness to faith and God's vast love for all of God's children, guarding good treasure. Like the couple who held down the choir of 12 people in that congregation week after week, I was the bass section. The man in this couple, he was the tenor. She was one of the sopranos. He was an electrician. She drove a school bus. Once a year, they would sing a duet of Out of the Ivory Palaces into a world of woe, and I would melt like butter. Not because it was a musical masterpiece, but because no one in that congregation showed my family and me more love and faith and commitment to us and to the community of faith, a contagious devotion to the body of Christ, guarding good treasure like the gruff old Presbyterian pastor who was old enough to be my grandfather when he took me under his wings. He served a congregation in the heart of Camden for decades. He would drink a beer with lunch and could curse with the best of them. But his commitment and work for justice and serving the poor and speaking for the voiceless and the full inclusion of the LGBTQ community in the Presbyterian Church never wavered in a lifetime of ministry. Guarding the good treasure by never giving up on the work of God's kingdom. 
like the saint of the church in Princeton, now gone on to glory, who was the best evangelist for worship. She treated each Sunday's worship like it was a delicacy. She was to worship as a foodie is to fancy food. She was very clear about how her life, her faith, her joy was nurtured by worship. And she would tell anyone and everyone that every Sunday was an Easter Sunday to her. Like adult advisors who take vacation days to lead youth service projects. Like church school teachers who give of themselves to tell your children and mine, your grandchildren and mine, all about the love of Jesus. Like the World War II veteran who had me in the palm of his hand over and over and over again telling me stories of the war and his life and his faith. And on his deathbed, he told me that when it came to the things of God and the complexities of faith and the yearning to figure it all out, he'd come to the conclusion that it all came down to love. God's love for him. And that was enough, he said. That was more than enough. Basking unashamed, less in the life of the mind and more in the love of God, passing on the stories of Jesus from generation to generation, leading a group of young people for a week they will never forget and may shape their view of the world the rest of their lives, being a role model for others when it comes to what it means to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Yes, guarding the good treasure that has been entrusted to you. I've seen it again and again and again. When it comes to our life in the body of Christ, it's not something to define precisely. It's something to look around and see. The pastor, preaching professor, and influencer of a generation of preachers, a man named Fred Craddock, who has also now gone to glory, he has a well-known sermon preserved in audio form, and the title of the sermon is When the Roll is Called Down Here. The sermon on the last chapter of Romans, where Paul asks to bring greetings to a whole bunch of people, and he does it by name, Priscilla, Aquila, Mary, Androkonikas, Junia, and a few others. And the refrain in the sermon is, don't just call it a list. It is Paul remembering and giving thanks for the saints in his life, for those who guarded the good treasure entrusted to him, or as Paul describes it there in Romans, those who risked their necks for the sake of Jesus Christ. And at the end of the sermon, the preacher tells the congregation to take their bulletin and to write, I thank my God for all my remembrance of you. And he tells them to write down a name. And then to write another name. And then another. And he tells them to keep it. It's not just a list, he said, but keep the list. He tells them to add it, add to it and always carry it with them. And take it with you all the way to the gates of heaven. I know, I know, he says, the Bible teaches us that we came into the world with nothing. And we can take nothing out of it. But take the list anyway, he said. And then he shares the dialogue with St. Peter there at the gate of heaven. What is that, St. Peter asks. It's nothing, it's just a list of names. Peter says, show me the list. No, don't worry, it's, don't worry about it, it's just my list. Come on now, St. Peter insists, show me the list. St. Peter takes the list and looks at it, reads the names and said, oh, I know all these people. I just passed them as I made my way down here to the gate. They were hanging up a big sign for you. And it said, welcome home. To the body of Christ at Long Valley Presbyterian Church and to Pastor Ryan Ermer, on the occasion of celebrating the beginning of your ministry together, I urge you to guard the good treasure entrusted to you. 
and I invite you not to define it, but to look around and see it and celebrate it and share it. I don't think it will be a surprise to anybody in this room for me to say that the challenge of being church in the last 19 months has been very, very real. And the fears and the realities of the last 19 months living through a pandemic and now welcoming a new new pastor and beginning a new season of ministry, it's not easy. And the truth is, in addition to the challenge, relationships with congregations and their pastors or pastor have been frayed all over. I'm about to turn 60 soon. And most, if not all, of the colleagues I know around my age have all checked with the Board of Pensions to see what our retirement funds look like. I participate in a weekly Bible study with Ryan and about six or seven others and we continued to do it on Zoom all through the pandemic and I can tell you that every one of us at some point was in tears, probably more than once. Sessions, pastors, congregations, all of us having to make decisions and set policies that none of us would have ever expected knowing that that whatever those decisions we make, someone's not going to be pleased and more often than not is going to express that displeasure sometimes in unhelpful, hurtful, and even threatening ways. But on the other hand, as a gift of God's grace, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the wonder of the love of Jesus, we still have this good treasure entrusted to us. Is it faith? Is it a spirit? Is it the gospel? Is it a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline? Is it the content of teaching and truth? Is it the earthly treasures entrusted to our care? The answer is yes. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you. Guarding the good treasure. It's less about figuring it all out and more about having eyes to see it. And speaking only for myself and my ministry of 21 years at Nassau Presbyterian Church, on my best days and on my hardest days, all I know to do, all I know to do, is to keep looking. And yes, these last months, it's true. I've seen it again and again and again. Friends in Christ, a wise spiritual director once told me, that in Jesus Christ, our best days are always yet to come. And so I pray for the future that God has in store for you in Long Valley, pastor and congregation, congregation and pastor. And I pray that you have eyes to see and that together you will guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in and among you. Let us pray. Almighty and holy God, we give you thanks for the good treasure you've entrusted to us. Not only give us eyes to see as a gift of your spirit, but give us hands to work for and feet to walk toward and actions to take and love to show that together as the body of Christ, we might be for others witnesses of that good treasure. Pour out your spirit.
upon the Long Valley congregation and Pastor Ryan, the body of Christ here and now. We pray as we would live in the precious name of Jesus.